Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Is this going to be the next great awakening? Is this going to be some sort of revival that God is going to break out across our nation as a result of what's happening even now as we speak in our nation with uh, the virus, the things that are closed down, the way the governments are acting, and all of the different things combined? Could God use this to spark another great awakening? I get this question more often than not, and I have to tell you the truth I don't know. I don't know what God is going to do with this, but I know this. It's going to be for his glory, and it is going to be for the believer's good. You can bet on that because the Bible teaches so in Romans 8, 28 through 30, and that good for the believer is through all of this, we are going to be made like Christ. Now, can a revival take place as a result of what's happening? Absolutely. The the answer to that question is a 100% yes. God can start and uh, create a revival that lasts for a week. It could last for 40 days. It could last for 60 days. God can turn people to himself. People can be saved, and this world would see another great awakening. Now, the reason I'm talking about a revival today is, number one, I've been asked that question several times already, and a lot of people are looking and hoping that there is a revival but then I started to think about revivals as I've known them growing up, and I am a, a Southern Baptist, uh, more, uh, if you want to get more technical, I'm actually a Reformed Baptist now, uh, but growing up in the Baptist world, we would have, you guessed it, revivals, uh, week-long revivals to where a preacher from another city, another state would come in. They'd spend a week preaching the gospel, preaching the Bible, and and doing many altar calls after every uh, sermon that they preached, and in hopes of seeing many, many people saved. Now, that is not a bad thing. We want to see God save his people, but the revivals that we know them is something that is put on the schedule by churches, right? So we're going to have a spring revival. We're going to have a fall revival may even have a summer revival, so we're going to put these things on the calendar in hopes of reviving our congregation, our city, the people around us, and hopefully see people get saved as a result. Now, one thing that I need to be clear on here is that we cannot put God on our schedule. We cannot put God on a, on a calendar and expect the Holy Spirit to move within that, because when I think of revivals, I think of the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were added to the number of those that were being saved right there. The early church begins. 3,000 people, and listen, this was ushered in by the Holy Spirit of God. This isn't something that was put on a calendar by Peter and the other apostles. This was the Holy Spirit. This was God's appointed time for this revival to take place where these dead people spiritually came to life and they were changed, and the Holy Spirit did this amongst all these people. Fast forward, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, I was uh, watching a video, and this was uh, high on the reading list, and they recommended this book, so I, I bought it. It's called The Puritan Hope 
Revival and the Interpretation of Prophecy. So it's by Ian Murray. Grab you a copy because I've been highly pleased with it so far. But I open it up and it's talking about revival. And it, it alludes to Pentecost being a great revival. But another great revival is something that is talked about a lot but doesn't get seen as much as a revival. But that's the Reformation. When the Reformation takes place, a lot of men, uh, they, they, their blood was shed over the Scriptures, over Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears over justification, and a lot of turning back to the Scripture. And many people were saved as a result of the Reformation and the men that took the Word of God seriously. We see this with Puritanism as well. We see a revival in the Reformation. We see the Puritans have this sort of revival and many, many people were changed in England and Scotland as a result of the Bible being preached. That is a key to revival is that the true word of God be preached, the gospel of Jesus Christ be preached, and the Holy Spirit works in that. And one of the sentences here in the first chapter of this book, The Puritan Hope, says this, when the Holy Spirit is poured out in a day of power, the result is bound to affect whole communities and even nations. So the answer to the question, can revival take place as a result of all the things that are going on in our nation now? Can God have some sort of revival or great awakening? Absolutely he can. And it's going to happen through the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't hear me say that we're getting off into charismania here when I say the an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But uh, many churches, especially Baptist churches, they don't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit, and other denominations spend a whole lot of time, way too much time, talking about the Holy Spirit. They take the Holy Spirit out of context in many occasions in other denominations, and it's sad and a little shameful at times that the Baptist denomination doesn't spend much time on the Holy Spirit at all because I think it scares them. It scares us a little bit, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, right? But it's only by the power of God through the Holy Spirit that anything can happen in this world as a result of revival or a great awakening or a reformation because it is the outpouring of that Spirit that leads to people changing it's the, the Spirit of God that changes a man from the inside out. We see this in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus asked uh, Jesus, what must he do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, you must be born again. And if we look into the Greek of that, being born again also translates as being born from above. So heaven, by the Holy Spirit, changes a man and, and regenerates or uh, is born again. The man is born again as a result of the Holy Spirit working in his life. So when the Bible is preached and the gospel is preached, then the Holy Spirit uses that. And he changes that because nobody can be saved apart from hearing the word of God. You have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ to be saved. And as a result, the Holy Spirit works and changes and brings men out of darkness into marvelous light. And the response of man is repentance and faith. And even those are a gift from God. So we see that the Holy Spirit is what revives a people. Now, we can't put that on a calendar. We can't hope that that happens as we have five days, seven days of revival meetings. We can't just expect to do that. I mean, the Holy Spirit can, 
but we put it on a calendar like it's some kind of uh, magical wand that we're going to wave for our community to be revived. But we have to be dependent on God to revive our people, to revive his people, to revive a nation, because it's not going to be done if we're not preaching the true word of God. There's uh, a reference in this book about one of the reformers, uh, his name is John Knox, that began preaching one day, and this is a true revival. This is happening when you stand up to preach, and then God works through the Holy Spirit, and you stand up the next day, and you do the same thing, and the Holy Spirit is working, saving people, changing people, and then you stand up the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and every day the Holy Spirit is changing and reviving, truly bringing to life or living again, dead men walking are brought to life by the power of God through the Holy Spirit as they hear the word of God and they repent of their sin and put their faith in Christ. So John Knox taught and he preached for 40 days in a row because the Holy Spirit kept moving and working. Now, he didn't push for 41 or 42 because that's interesting. Many pe- many people today, many preachers today would want to go, for, well, God's moving. The Holy Spirit's moving. So let's go 41 days, 42, 43, 44, 45. Let's just keep going. But when the Holy Spirit pours out, it, we're on God's time. We are not on our time. So John Knox preached for 40 days in a row, and people were saved. People were called out of darkness into marvelous light, and it was a result of the Holy Spirit doing it. Not a result of John Knox putting it on his calendar and saying, I'm going to preach for 40 days in a row at this place and and things are going to be revived. He just was obedient to what God was doing at the time in his life and the Holy Spirit began to change people from the inside out. Now, many scholars have said that Great Awakenings, Reformations, Pentecost could not happen again, that it was some sort of fluke almost. Matter of fact, some some have said that it occurred as a curious combination of historical circumstances which cannot be expected to happen again. Well, these scientists and these scholars don't know the God of the Bible, apparently, because the God of the Bible is still ruling and reigning over this universe, which happens to belong to him as well. And for the early reformers and the Puritans, they would dismiss these claims because of the word of God. They would read in scripture that when the spirit is poured out from on high, then the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, which is in Isaiah thirty-two fifteen. They would also read, not by my might, nor by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's in Zechariah 4, 6. So they attributed, the, the reformers and the Puritans would attribute these things to the works of God, the mighty hand of God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God of the universe. So they wouldn't listen to any of this gibberish from any kind of scholar or for any kind of, from any kind of scientist that would say that these are just flukes. They could just so happen to uh, things happen in history that just mix together and form together and they just happened and these things will not happen again. We see that God is still moving, he's still working, and the next great awakening, the next great revival could happen in the United States of America. But let me tell you something, folks. There's not going to be a revival if preachers and churches don't start preaching the true word of God. And many of you may say, 
Well, churches all over the place teach the Word of God. I know of many, many churches that will teach a shallow theology just to keep members coming back, just to keep visitors coming in. Many churches have uh, are still seeker-sensitive churches. They're trying to make church comfortable for the lost, and that's not what church is. We're not supposed to be a place that the lost feel comfortable being in. We're supposed to be a place that teaches and preaches the whole counsel of God. That means that we get deep in the scriptures. We talk about the tough things of God that we find in the scriptures. We talk about everything from Genesis to Revelation, everything in between, that we don't shrink back from any of it, that we teach the depths of scripture, that we teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and we allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, and that is to change lives. That is to change hearts. That is to make things live again, which is what revive means. And we get that from revival. We want to see dead men live. And the Bible is clear with us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And as a result of hearing the gospel and as a result of repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Christ, we know that we are raised to life we are regenerated, born again. That's how we see the kingdom of God. That's how we are reconciled to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. So can God have another revival on this earth? Can we see something like the Reformation happen again? Well, I sure hope so. Can we see something like the Puritans that care deeply about the scriptures? Can we see men and women that care deeply about the things of God and the word of God again on this land? Absolutely we can. But here's the thing. We will never see it apart from the depths of the scriptures. We will never see it apart from searching who God is and knowing who God is. In our church this morning, we are, we're in our second week of our new sermon series called Who is God? where we're looking at the attributes of God. This week happened to be the first attribute that we looked at. The first week was an introduction. Today we looked at the aseity of God. Now, not many churches I know of are preaching the aseity of God. And they're not preaching the attributes of God. Now, when we talk about the aseity of God, we're talking about the self-existence of God, that God is self-existent, he is dependent on nothing, dependent on nobody, and he does what he wants when he wants to do it. He is eternal, meaning that he was here before the foundations of the world. He was here before Genesis 1-1, where we find in the beginning, God. So in the very beginning, that beginning meaning the creation of time, God himself created time, and he was here long before that. He is an eternal God. He has always been here. He will always be here. He is never going to change. He's never going to be defeated. He is never going to be conquered. He is a holy, majestic, and awesome God. And here we are teaching shallow theology to people that may never get it in the first place. Teaching theology that people may not ever get that is shallow, that is um, going to be detrimental to the life of people that need to hear the true counsel of God, because that's just the only way that God can move is through the whole preaching and teaching of his word. Now, God can move in any way he chooses. Don't get me wrong there. But we have to understand that we must preach the true God of the Bible. We must be 
diligent in preaching the true text of the Bible. So the Holy Spirit moves in someone's life because the Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if we are not teaching the true Word of God in its entirety, the whole counsel of God, the book of Acts says, Paul says in that, I think it's somewhere in Acts chapter 20, um, we must teach the. He never shrunk back from teaching the whole counsel of God. Neither should we. We should be diligent in proclaiming the gospel, no matter who we are, where we are, or what we're doing. And we just might find that the Holy Spirit will move in our congregations when we start teaching the whole counsel of God. We might find that we need to stand up night after night after night after night and teach the Word of God, and a true revival will break out as a result of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of both believer and unbeliever because a revival is meant to revive the spirits of the congregation that is uh, being hearing the Word of God. And it's also for the Holy Spirit to move and make dead things come to life, to change hearts, to move in people's life. So I don't fault churches at all for scheduling a revival. I, I would rather call it a Bible conference or um, a week of Bible teaching or something like that, because we see true revival happen when the Holy Spirit begins to move, like he did at Pentecost, like he did uh, in the Reformation, as he did with the Puritan theology, as he did in the Great Awakening, as he can do now. But we must be diligent in preaching the whole counsel of God and teaching the whole counsel of God so that we can give the listener what God's word says and allow the spirit to move in their hearts to revive them, to rekindle their love for him, and hopefully take what's dead in sins and trespasses, give them a new heart, and hear them repent of their sin and trust Christ for salvation. That's revival. And I pray that our land will see a revival. I pray that it happens. I pray that God does something in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this virus, that on the other side of this thing, or even in the midst of it, that God would make things new, that he would start a revival, another great awakening, something where the spirit moves and his word goes forth. People are rekindled for their love for God, love for the word. People are saved. I pray that they would uh, step into new life, and I pray that life for many people would be changed as a result of hearing the true word of God. So no, I don't fault people and churches for doing a revival because that's our desire as pastors to see our church members and congregations revived and to see people saved by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you as we close, true revival happens when the Holy Spirit moves. And true revival happens on God's terms, not ours. Happens on God's schedule not ours. So we must be faithful and diligent to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the whole counsel of God every chance we get. And if the Holy Spirit says, teach it another night, another night, another night, another night, we'll be like John Knox and we'll go 40 nights in a row before we stop. But we let the Spirit tell us and lead us in that, not ourselves, because we can really do too much in and of ourselves we have to trust God. We have to trust the Spirit. So I pray that men across this country would boldly preach the Word of God and the Spirit of God would remo- would move and we'd see revival break out, true revival break out all across 
this nation. Thank you guys for hanging in there and listening. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, snarky rebukes, send them to Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com or you may comment in the Facebook post. Until then, uh, we'll see you next time. God bless.